everybody. Let's go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 1. As we continue in our Advent series entitled Rooted. Right, the series is based off of Isaiah 11, which talks about out of the stump of Jesse will rise a shoot and a branch and bear fruit. Where there's dead trees everywhere and all these stumps, life will come forth. And we know that life to be Jesus. Jesus coming as a baby into this crazy and dark world, into our humanity, to bring us hope and life and forgiveness. And we live in that today. We live in that beautiful assurance with the Holy Spirit and we are waiting Christ's second coming. Before we get too far into that this morning, um, who here has seen uh, the show Dirty Jobs? Yeah, anybody seen that? Okay, so if you haven't, this is um, Mike here. He does disgusting and dangerous jobs. He apprentices himself underneath different people doing rattlesnake catcher and um, garbage cleaner and you know zoo wrangler and does all these crazy and disgusting things. And, and as I watch that show, I think, man, I'm blessed. Like I haven't really done too many crazy jobs except one. I worked for my grandparents' farmer's market called Cooper's Mill, and they had cute little, um, you know, produce and knickknacks, and I worked a lot of the times in the deli, which is funny, because I'm like really girly girl, and I have this like hairnet on and stuff, so there's me with my hairnet, <laughs> my Cooper's Mill shirt there, and so I would be working the deli, and people come up, meats and cheeses or whatever, and I got it, you know, I'm pumping the iron there, and, and, but people would come up and ask for this one meat that I just could not handle. It was the dirtiest, nastiest meat that we could possibly sell. It was called souse. Who here has heard of souse? It's disgusting! It's absolutely horrendous! It's like, it's um, pickled head cheese, if you've ever had head cheese. Um, it's got various parts of uh, pig and some of chicken and cow little bite-sized pieces and mixed with this like meat, jelly, vinegar, nasty. Right, and so when people are coming up to me, they're like, yeah, can I have a pound of souse? I'm like, do you want to die? <laughs> like, this could kill you, um, or I will kill you if you make me do this. So I'd like go on the slicer and get stuck with a little cartilage and it would be all slimy on my gloves. I'm trying to like package it up and I'm just like, I'm so sorry for your wife. Like, this is horrible. Um, so souse is disgusting. That's a dirty job to cut souse. I hated it. My grandpa would just take it up and just eat it on a sandwich, no big deal. But but we're going to learn about somebody today who also had a very difficult job, a dirty job, a nasty job, and that was John the Baptist, born of Zachariah and Elizabeth. John the Baptist had a very dirty job. From the beginning, he was called by God to make way for Jesus the Messiah to come to earth. When he was born, his parents were filled with great delight and joy. And the Spirit was in the womb of Elizabeth when he was in the womb, and he was filled with the Spirit just as a baby because he was given a calling and a purpose to prepare the way for the Lord. He was to bring the people back to God. He was to turn their hearts and to make ready people prepared for the Lord. And it was difficult, right? Like, that's a great calling, but it's also very uncomfortable and very difficult to try to tell people, hey, the Lord is coming and you're not ready. 
The Lord is coming, and the Lord is gonna be doing a great thing in the lives of these people, and you must be ready. And so I could see him growing up and just making his various decisions, whether to go to school or to the supermarket, these different things with this purpose in mind of preparing the way for the Lord. And he knew it wasn't gonna be easy. So let's go ahead and look in Mark chapter one, one through eight. Mark chapter one, one through eight. It should be on page 682 if you have this Bible here or your Glow Bibles on your phones, you can use that as well. In the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you, that being John, who will prepare your way. A voice calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of the repentance and forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean countryside and all of the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I, Jesus, the straps of those sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and unite. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So we see here that he was telling people, preparing the way for Jesus by preaching the forgiveness of sins through baptism. And he lived in the wilderness. That was a hard part of his job, right? I mean, he was probably super sweaty and smelly, maybe lonely or socially awkward at times because he had like minimal human interaction at times maybe. Um, He also ate locusts and wild honey. Like, ew, right? Like I've had like crickets and things when I've gone like overseas and they're not too bad like if you get the right seasoning and stuff on them. But to have that be like your daily diet, that's disgusting. That's a dirty job. But I think the worst part of his job was calling people out on their crap and saying, this isn't how Jesus wants you to live. You need to confess your sin. You need to confess the things that you have put your faith in, you've put your trust in. And you need to repent, turn your heart, turn your mind from what you've been focusing on, those worldly things, your intentions, and instead focus on Christ because he's coming. I've been given that calling and I'm making the way for the Lord and he's coming and we better be ready. And I can't imagine how incredibly difficult that would be because today we don't even like to confess. We don't like to repent. We look all the way back in the Garden of Eden and everyone's like, oh, he made me do it. Oh, the snake made me do it. Here and here, here. We don't like to confess when we've done something wrong and we sure don't like to change from it. I think ultimately though, people do want to be better, right? You wanna be a better coworker, you wanna be a better spouse, you wanna be a better Christian, a parent, you wanna make better decisions for your children and grandchildren. Most of us want to be better. But I think there's a challenge for us. I think sometimes we don't wanna make the necessary sacrifices it takes to change. For me to become a better spouse, I'm going to have to turn the TV off and listen to them. For me to become a better parent, I'm gonna have to spend time with my children. For me to become a better Christian and and sustain a stronger devotional life, I'm gonna have to stop scrolling at the end of the day and start looking into the Word. 
Sometimes that sacrifice to change is too great, and so we just don't change at all. We continue in our habits and our patterns and our sin. I think another reason why we don't change is because we don't always know the next steps. It sounds so ambiguous, like to be a better person or be a better worker or a better spouse or a better coach or a better teacher. And we don't always know what to do and how to get there, and so we just stay where we're at. Change is hard, and John understood that, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter how hard this message was. It didn't matter if people received it with positive spirits or negative. It didn't matter if he was thrown in prison. It didn't matter if he was killed, which ended up happening because of this message. It didn't matter to him because he was called for a purpose. He was rooted in the plans and the purposes of God in order to bring Jesus' ministry forward. He had to teach the repentance and confession and baptism. He gave up his comfort, popularity, what was normal and good for him because the birth of Jesus changed how he lived his life. And it should change our lives today as well. And so I know what some of you guys are thinking. You hear confession and repentance and all of that stuff, and you get a little clammy, right? You're like, ooh, like I did that when I was 12 at the altar, or you're like, wow, I've never done that. Like I've never confessed to the Lord. Like I don't know what all this is. Is the Lord gonna be mad at me? Is he gonna slap me on the wrist? Is it gonna start raining condemnation? He's gonna yell at me like, it's about time, you know? Like how is the Lord gonna react? It's scary, right? This concept of confessing and repenting. But John knew, and I hope we know today, that this is a message of love. And I want to camp here for a second, just talking about what this message means. It's a message of love. It's a love that is patient, and a love that corrects. I've been blessed to be able to tutor at um, Clay and at Coy, and I have a little first grader that I tutor with reading. And he's the cutest little thing. He's got a little lisp and everything. He's so adorable. And, and he's learning how to spell. And so we're writing the word was, and it's W-U-S. And I'm like, no. And so he looks at me. He's like, is this right? And I'm like, no, man, it's not right. But, but here, I'll show you the right way. Because I care about you. I want you to be a contributing member to society, and I think that would help if you knew how to read and you knew how to spell. So let me help you. You're trying, thanks for asking. Let me show you the correct way to do this. And maybe that metaphor is a little stretched, but I think a lot of that can be reflected in our relationship with the Lord. When we come to the Lord and we're like, God, is this the right decision I'm supposed to make? God, am I parenting the way you want me to? God, am I treating my coworkers with love? Am I doing what you ask for me? God is faithful and just to let us know what's going on, to forgive us of our sins, and to lead us into righteousness. All we have to do is ask. Just like that kid I work with, I'm not yelling at him, dude, you're so dumb, you know, like, what kind of tutor would that be? Like, I would not want to be tutored by someone like me. You know, you want that love, you want that support. And God wants that for you. When you come to the Father, and you say, God, I have fallen short. God, I have idolized various things on this world. I have been selfish, I have been bitter, I have been unforgiving, and God, I want to change my view from that to you. And God is like, yes, yes, I've been waiting for you to do that. Yes, I want you in my embrace. Yes, I want you on this path because I love you. 
I want a better life for you, so much so that I would step out of the heavenly place to be in your midst and to show you what true and genuine life is like. And I'm gonna blow your mind with what hope looks like and a future and a promise. I have great things planned for you. Thank you for coming to me because I can show you what you can't even dream up. A life so wonderful and beautiful, a life of love because there's greater things yet to come for those who follow the Lord. And that same love that pushed John for this message, that same love that sent people into the water to be baptized, that same love that Jesus stepped out of heaven to come to us is that same love we have today. It's the same love that we see when Jesus came to earth and suffered and died on the cross and rose again to bring us new life. There is a love working for us that's correcting us and guiding us. When we confess the Lord, we are making an active step in becoming more like Jesus. When we confess to the Lord the things that we have done that have not been honoring to the Lord, he is faithful to move us in repentance, shift our actions, our gaze, our mind from where we've been to where he wants us to be. And it's a beautiful thing. And it's a message of love. There's some of us here, maybe this is the first time you've ever heard this message. Maybe it's the first time you've really heard confessing to the Lord that there's a greater life in store for you. And if that is you, the message is the same from John's time until today. Confess. Confess what is burdening you. Confess what you are struggling with. Confess those areas of sin in your life, those things that have not been God-honoring, and turn away from them. Repent. I also know those people here who have heard this message loads of times, whether that be through children's church or youth group or small groups or, or however you've been throughout your life, you've heard this message that there's a greater life, that there's love, that there's forgiveness, and oh, I've done that, and I'm a Christian. I'm even in a small group. I'm awesome, right? Like, I've been a Christian for so long, like, you know, all good, it's all good, me and God are tight. But God wants to take you deeper, deeper than you've ever been before, a deeper relationship that you guys haven't even tapped into yet. Because when John was there baptizing people, he wasn't just baptizing the bad people, right? He was baptizing everybody. Jews, Gentiles, doesn't matter, get in the water. <laughs> Be baptized, there's a new way of living. This message is for all of us. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. Does the arrival, the second coming of Jesus change how you live your life? Are you changing continually into the image of Christ in the workplace, in your relationships, in your time of devotion, in your decision making? How is the arrival, the second coming of Jesus, really changing the way you're living your life? Again, this is a message of love. It's not meant to beat you upside the head and, and, and hurt too crazy bad, but yeah, God does want us to change. It may be uncomfortable, but it's worth it. The life that God has in store for you, 
the life that God has in store for your family is so worth it. We must humble ourselves and confess in order to become more like Jesus. So there's three things that we, we say here at Hope. What did you hear? How can I respond? And how can I share this with someone or what to share it with? And today I hope you heard the message of confession. That it's a beautiful thing when we come to the Lord and humbly say, God, I've messed up. God, there is sin in my lives. God, there's patterns in my lives. God, I've been sitting on my cushiony Christianity for way too long. I haven't gotten involved in your kingdom. I haven't given in the way I should have of my time, my finances, of my faith. I don't tell people about you and I just kind of go to work and, and I go home and that's about it. God, I confess that to you because I know you want more for my life. You coming to earth, God, has proven to me that you want something greater for me. You have reminded me that there's hope, that there's future, that there's a life overflowing with the Spirit, and I want that. I repent of the ways that I've lived. In this season of Advent, I just want to tap into heaven, and I want you to blow my mind. I want you to turn my habits and my thoughts and my decisions from where I've been to where you want me to be. And I hope you heard that that's all fueled by love. God wants more from you, for you, not from you. He wants to do great and marvelous things with your life. And we just have to humble ourselves and say, God, take it. Take it and show me the correct way to go. So this morning I want us to respond in a way that sometimes is uncomfortable. It's coming to the altars. And if you come to the altar, this doesn't mean you're a dirty, rotten person, like we're not all gonna judge you. This is a moment where we just bow down on our knees and we say, God, I have fallen short. God, I need you to make clear your path for me. Because although Jesus is born, we have a second coming, a second advent that we are waiting on. And like John's message of love in the wilderness saying, Jesus is coming, get your hearts ready, it's the same today. Jesus is coming. Get your hearts ready. Confess the areas you have been neglecting. Confess the areas that you have hurt others. Confess the areas that you have pushed God aside. Turn from that to what God has in store for you. And then share it with someone. Whether it's here at the altar, whether it's in your small groups, whether it's in a journal and telling someone later, share what the Lord is doing. Because God is on the move not only in John the Baptist's time, but in our time. And so this morning, I invite us to stand. And as we sing this last song, I invite you to come. You can bow at your seat. You can come up to the altars here. Again, no judgment. This isn't about anybody else. This is about you and the Lord and the love that God has for you. So let's pray this morning. God, you are good and we are thankful that you love us enough to come to earth, that you love us enough to provide a new life for us, that you love us enough to invite us into your space where we can confess, where we can turn from our 
hurtful ways, our destructive ways, and we can turn to you. There's a greater life out there that you've provided for us, and let us run with open arms into that space this morning. Amen.